0: Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on SiriusXM XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Let me invite someone in who I think is really super smart. Uh, I'm sad that she is so busy with all of the ventures and all of the uh, things that she's doing to inspire and empower women in particular. She's out there doing God's work. She's also got book deals and film deals and television shows. She is an amazing person as well. Let me welcome my buddy. Miss Sophia Chang. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show.
1: Uh, Karen, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here as always. Thank you. Uh,
0: you're welcome. And, and and again, you know, uh, unlock her potential. First of all, let me thank you for inviting me to be a part of that. I'm enjoying uh, Miss Amber, who is doing some amazing things in Tennessee with seed and, and getting folk to uh, be a part of her farming collective uh it I, I'm learning more from her than she is from me so I just want to oh, thank you, thank for you that. Karen I'm honored that you're part of it thank you so uh this morning you know I I got up and I saw you know eight people dead and I'm leaning in and I'm like what uh, and then they flashed a picture and I don't want to say this guy's name because I think in many ways um it's about the attention right it's about I, I don't feel seen in the world. So I'm going to do something and you're going to see me. You're going to know my name. And so you go out and you murder people because of your inadequacy. And that's the way I'm looking at it. More, more than it, I feel like there's a, a, a growing faction in this country of people who feel that they're entitled to something just by birth, that they are entitled to something and they're not living the life that they want to live and they look left and right and they see other people working hard and doing things that they should just be given, love, money, things, and they're not getting it and it's their fault, those folk coming from Mexico, those black people, those fill in the blanks, right? They're the reason why I'm not living my best life, so I'm going to kill them because how dare they have anything, my people built this country. That's what I hear when I see this, right? What do you see when you wake up to the story that we're witnessing today?
1: Well, first of all, I weep for the women. I weep for their families. I weep for us, you know, and I don't want anybody to say this is not who we are. This is not America. This is exactly who America is. This is exactly what this country hath wrought. And in terms of what you're talking about, I call it entitlement.
0: Entitlement,
1: And there is a particular kind of entitlement when you're a man, right? And I think we see it in terms of policy, uh, how men have historically wanted to control our bodies. I don't understand why it, they're so obsessed with, um, you know, Uh, abortion rights and stuff like that, but I think there's so much of it is about controlling our bodies and ownership of our bodies, right? And so I will speak, uh, let me just start by saying hello to your listeners and to qualify by saying I'm not a historian. I am not a sociologist. I am not a critical race theory professor. I am somebody that just lives in the world and I have very, very smart friends who inform me. One of them being this woman, Nancy Wang Yuan, whom I spoke to earlier today, specifically about this. And you know, she said in an interview earlier today, to separate sexual addiction and incel from racism then makes it that makes it less, that makes less than of a hate crime is problematic. And I think that's right. So I do see somebody who felt entitled to whatever he wants. I do see somebody who felt entitled to these Asian women's bodies. And from my perspective, as an Asian woman who has lived in America, having been fetishized, exoticized, eroticized all through the white male lens, I know what that feels like. And you know, you were joking with me earlier today about my Instagram and yeah, I am naked plenty on Instagram but you also know what that's about, right? You know, it is about me claiming my own narrative, my own sexuality, owning it when it has been taken from me when I never had it and owning it and being able to tell my story that way. I agree with you that there is a sense of entitlement. You know, I was watching um, Cherokee County Sheriff's Office, Captain Jay Baker give a press conference. And, you know, first of all, there was a pursuit.
0: Let, let's play it. Let's play, we have the clip. So let's oh, okay, play it. And please. Did you, Thank you. Then you tell us what you think. And again, Sophia okay. Chang, the baddest bitch in the room. Did I mention that? I didn't mention that. That the best audiobook, first of all, came out on Audible as an audiobook first. One of the best audiobooks I've ever listened to. And now it is also a book book. So there we have that. Uh, play Captain Jay Baker of Cher- Cherokee County Sheriff's Office.
2: The suspect did uh, take responsibility for the shootings. Um, He uh, said that early on once we began the interviews with him. Um, He claims that these, and as the chief said, this is still early, but he does claim that it was not racially motivated. He apparently has an issue, uh, what he considers a a sex fiction, and sees these locations as something that allows him to to go to these places. and, And it's a temptation for him that he wanted to eliminate. Um, like I said, it's still early on, but those those were comments that he made. Did he discuss any kind of religious uh, motivation for this, or was he responsible? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. Or
0: political?
2: None political. I've heard nothing about politics. Any sense of his social media history, is that something he's been able to look at? That's something that investigators, I and mean, they've been working on along, and that's certainly one of the things they'll be doing. Sheriff, did you have the sense that he understood what he, the gravity of what he did? Um, when I when we I spoke with investigators, they interviewed him this morning, and I uh, they got that impression that yes, he he understood um, the gravity of it, and he was pretty much fed up, and it had been kind of at the end of his rope, and um, and yesterday was a really bad day for him, and this is what he did.
0: Eight people are dead, and it was a really bad day for this morally bereft, inhumane cretin. And I just before uh, you talk I want to just the names that have been released I want to say their names because I think it's super important that we don't forget uh people who are uh, whose lives are cut short 33 year old Delania Delana Ashley Yuan, 33 she's from Ackworth was from Ackworth uh Cherokee County Paul Andre Michels uh 54 of Atlanta I know I'm mispronouncing this uh, woman's name, 49 years old, Zhaji Yan and I'm from Kennesaw, and Yu Yufeng, 44. And there was another 30-year-old Hispanic man unidentified and four other victims unidentified. But um, when you listen to this sheriff say he was having a bad day, uh, that he was trying to get rid of the source of his temptation, Sophia Chang, uh, as if, you know, so he can't control himself, so he's going to kill.
1: So let's start with, from what I understand, there was a pursuit. What I know is that he was brought into custody unharmed. And I think all of us know perfectly well that if that was particularly a black or a brown or or somebody even that looked Arabic, right, that looked like a Muslim, it's very likely that he would have been dead right and this narrative that law enforcement has in this country to coddle these white terrorists right um and again to say that it's not racially motivated is so myopic it is so naive and it erases the history of the sexualization of asian women you know he said the locations that allow him to eliminate his temptations. No, your temptation, Cinnabon is a temptation, right? Because then this temptation became a location where he got to act out a murderous fantasy. It became a shoot. These places became shooting galleries for him. And this coddling and this, you know, Captain J. Baker almost sounds apologist. And this is quasi-infantilizing of this guy who, like you said, is, has robbed these people of their lives and of their humanity. And he's humanizing the killer. And it is so infuriating. And, and I also want to know, you know, he said he was fed up. He was at the end of the rope. Yesterday was a really bad day for him. So yesterday was a really bad day for him. It's something that I might have said about my son when he was four and he lost his soccer game oh, man, yesterday was a really bad day for him. Uh, the, the, The way that the narrative is being written, and it is about our stories and how we tell our stories and how we tell the stories of others is, again, in this practice of coddling white men no matter what, right? And I would also like to know, he was fed up with what? Was he fed up that he wasn't desired by women? Was he fed up that, to your point, that he didn't have a job and somehow he saw people of color being the ones taking that from him? He was at the end of what rope? What rope was he at the end of? (laughs) To drive him to a killing spree. You know, it makes me think about uh, men that uh, when they find out that their lover, who is a woman is trans, that they kill her. That's where you go. You're frustrated, you you know, for the men that murder trans women, black trans women who get murdered at seven times the rate of the general population, mind you, right? So you find out that the woman that you're attracted with, maybe falling in love with and engaging with is trans, and your solution is not to leave, is not to seek therapy, is to murder her. So this guy, for instance, you have this temptation this impulse and so you go and you you have this frustration whatever the rope you are at the end of and your solution is to murder these people and then captain j's baker captain j baker's reading of it is to say that he had a bad day it's it's um you know, we say that we're not surprised, Karen, right? Because we've seen this before, and yet it is still shocking. And yet it is still a gut punch and it hits me in the solar plexus. and it makes me so angry that uh, that I cry. And again, to separate out the fact that they were Asian, from the fact that they were Asian women, you can't do that. This is what we talk about in terms of the intersectional view, right? Dr. Treba Lindsay, Diva feminist on Twitter, she's taught me a lot about, the, the intersectional framework through which we see things. You can't see them just as women. You can't see them just as Asian. You have to understand what that means for us as Asian women. I know what it feels like to be objectified. I know what it feels like to to feel like a something that you dangle on your arm and that you just see as a trophy, specifically as an Asian woman. And I know what it's like to feel unsafe. So don't tell me he had a
0: bad day. I started off the show with uh, William Barber, Reverend Barber's, you know, speech, uh, which I'm going to play probably frequently moving forward, because I I do think, you know, we we, want to distill this into something that everyone can check themselves out of, right? His behavior. Well, that's not me. Everyone's always looking for the distance from something like this, right? Instead of, where does this show up for me? Where's the potential of this behavior in me? Where where have I done this? Maybe not killed someone, but thought, oh, you know, I whistle at somebody, she doesn't respond. F you, you bitch. Why aren't you smiling? We see it in many different ways, right? Why, why are you not smiling? Heard that a lot. I rarely smile when I'm You know, which is why I probably over, over smile sometimes and use humor, but I'm thinking I'm in my thoughts and I'm not thinking about you. And why should I have to think about you? And because I'm not acknowledging you or that I'm not giving you what you think you deserve in terms of attention, you're going to turn around, call me a bitch. Now that's a, that's a shade of this same behavior. Yeah. He went to the way extreme, but I'm sure some of you are listening. You've done this. How does that show up? And, you know, as I listen to Reverend Barbara talk about America's heart condition, I don't know, Sophia, you know, from George Floyd, you know, and that's just recent, all the way through, there's so many issues in this country that I don't know. I was having a conversation with Dr. Carr earlier today, and I'm going to play that on YouTube tonight. Um, And he said, you know, America says, okay, racism, here's our solution. The problem's racism, Solution is diversity. So we're going to throw, all right, we need more black people and more of this, more check a box in the space. That's going to cure the racism. No, it's not. That's not going to cure what's ailing us because it's in the heart. And it's how we see one another, it's how we see ourselves. And instead of looking at your life and saying, well, you don't have these proclivities, where, where does it start? Getting counseling? You know, this is not healthy. I know this is not healthy. I got to fix myself. I'm going to go with, with the uh, Captain uh, Baker's, I'm going to get rid of the, the source of my temptation. Like you said, if it's Cinnabon, you're going to go shoot up all of the Cinnabons and Krispy Kremes and Popeye's chicken. You know, I'm overweight. Let me go. Like, imagine if everyone did that. So here we are. And this is not an anomalous situation, which is what I'm saying. I watched Dylan Roof. Fortunately, I didn't watch him, but I, I, I had a sleepless night after he sat in a church and murdered nine beautiful people. And today's eight beautiful souls who deserve to have life and breath because one person determined that, His life wasn't fulfilling. And this is the reason why. And as long as people look outside of themselves and this goes across the board for the salvation that they're looking for or the success that they're looking for. We're going to keep having these stories. Uh, And as a nation, as a country, as a world, as a global citizenship, citizenry, we're, we're I don't I don't see hope, to be honest with you you know, there's there are pockets of hope. Like, I love the work that you're doing. I love the work that we're doing here in urban view. I love there's so many people out there rolling up their sleeves, but then it just takes one person to come and just. <sighs> I have hope.
1: I believe it's better and it is still not enough. And we have a long way to go. And I can hold those two truths, Karen. When people say, Oh, there are more Asians you know, um, on television, are you happy? Yes, and it's not enough. Yes, and. And when it comes to diversity and equity and inclusion, I have this saying that uh, DEI, that doesn't result in conversion is nothing more than a diversion. And again, referencing my friend Treva Lindsay, who calls her, Dr. Treva Lindsay, who calls herself, a who is, a radical black feminist when she says radical she means it literally in the sense of to the root which i think is what you're speaking to right so if you think that you can just bring in the rainbow coalition and hire them and the problem is solved it is not solved what you we need to interrogate is why did they why were they not there in the first place what are the systems in place when we talk about systemic racism we are talking about institutionalized Racism. We are talking about the very foundations of the country and how it was created. Again, the systemic fetishization of me and my sisters and what that looks like and how, and how it plays out. It's just it, it has to be acknowledged. And then how do we move on from there? I, in my own small way, I do the work that I do. Um, I, I, I just don't think that I have like the big picture solutions. So I just do what one person can do. And I try to make a bigger impact. You know, you referenced Unlocker Potential, uh, the program I created, which you're part of to provide mentorship for women of color in the United States, 18 and older. And what I'm hoping to do with that, Karen, is I want, you know, DEI, CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility, right, DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion are, you know, things that every, so many companies are talking about now. And for me, I want MWC to be something that corporations talk about as well, mentorship for women of color. I want it to be part of the lexicon. I want de rigueur for people to think about what this means because we are not mentored to the degree that we should be. And it's so Frustrating that people don't understand that there is a dearth and that there is, a, there, that there is no need. And again, to your point, if you, if you think that the, that the answer to racism <laughs> is to hire a black, brown, red, yellow person, <laughs> then you have a fundamental misunderstanding and an egregious ignorance of what this country is about and what it's built on. Again, don't tell me this isn't America. Don't tell me who this isn't who we are. You know, you really have to get into the roots and it's hard work and it's dirty and we sweat and we bleed and we weep and we fight. We have to fight.
0: I, um, Otherwise, it doesn't get better. I have a student. Uh, well, I have a, a, a person that I also uh, mentored. Same time. He's a colleague uh his mother is chinese his father's indian and he talked about you know being raised in an all white community and having to navigate that and and how awful it was to the point that he had to be homeschooled right um it, because you know he was called everything because they don't know what he is you know he passed for this passed for that he's been called and he thought that uh <laughs> he thought like a an uh a, hispanic a slur was actually a slur for asian Amer- americans cuz he because there were no other people who looked like him. And he, he got to college and they were like, no, nah, that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's a Spanish slur. And he was like, oh, I was called that, the N-word. I was called all of these things. And I think about a nation where p- parents are raising children because this kids don't, are, do not come out the womb with these I- ideals. They do not come out the womb with these thoughts and notions. Somebody's telling, talking, showing, actually. You don't sit down and tell your child, uh, hate this person or that person. You show it in your home. So this is a manifestation of something that's going on in your household and your community that you are then acting out. This is not an anomalous situation. Again, we watch 74 million people take themselves to the polls and vote for hatred. I saw you. OK, so we know that this is a bigger problem. But I also want to talk to you when we talk about representation, you know, when we watch movies and television shows and we don't see fully rounded versions, we only see these subservient soft-spoken, you know, I'm watching warriors on, on, uh, I just finished uh, season two and you know, the women in there, ass kickers, you know, but it's still, it's karate, you know, it's martial arts, which we expect from the Asian, you know, folk. Well, but just to have Asian people, I had Eddie Huang on a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about this, this kind of like, where do I fit in this? I have to fit in. My parents are putting pressure on me to, to not lose my culture at the same time, Excel, But who am I? And so you just, the default is let me fold myself under the radar, get through, get the the medical degree, the law degree, you know, check box, check box, and be wealthy, live my life, and not be seen. But then you show up to work and you lose your life because somebody, (sighs) I know you're hopeful. I'm less hopeful than you are, which is unusual because I I used to be very optimistic, Sophia Chang. I am not. I am not hopeful that uh, we're going to solve this this riddle. Um, But what responsibility do we have to be as authentic of ourselves? This is what I love about you. Uh you half naked all the time on Instagram, which I love. I love that. I love it. You're gonna you gonna kick, you're gonna show people all your your limberness, uh, and you're gonna cuss people out tell them to suck a dick every now and then, which people might need to do, and I'm not mad at that. But there's a there's a complete person, and we need to see more complete people um being different, being Asian and all of the things that you are.
1: So I want to go back to your point earlier about how much we need to look in the mirrors, because all of us have internalized some degree of all of it, right? Racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, all of these horrible hatreds, right? And so for me, again, why I have such smart friends is that I can ask them, you know, I have this perspective and they can correct me and with gentle, you know, gently and with love. And I think we all need to look at it and say, oh, my God, I remember thinking this and we evolve. Right. Um, And in terms of representation and telling our stories. I say this all the time, we have to tell our stories. We on the margins have to tell our stories. As we tell our stories, so will we then, I hope, build empathy. As we build empathy, so will we then be humanized. As we are humanized, people won't do stuff like kill us in salons, put our put our children in cages and separate us from our children. And from an Asian perspective, uh, I'm Asian-Canadian, but from an Asian-American perspective, we can't talk about this without talking about the model minority myth. So what I was asking my friend Nancy wan Yuan about this morning was, you know, how we uh, women, Asian women are seen, doesn't that intersect with the model minority myth? Model minority myth, you and I've talked about this before, which places us into this box of being submissive, politically pliable, right? We will not fight back. We will not raise our voices. And then, of course, creates this horrible wedge between... Uh, I call it my yellow community, between the Asian community and the Black community. Um, And I I do want to speak on that because I know that there has been some framing that a lot of the uh, perpetrators of this anti-Asian violence have been Black and brown. And to anybody out there, and especially my fellow yellows, to my Asian brothers and sisters, if you take this as an opportunity to think about to to, propagate anti-Blackness or anti-Brownness, you are doing exactly what the dominant culture wants us to do. You're a pawn of white supremacy. You don't understand the most fundamental law of governing one of them, which is divide and conquer. And if anybody in my community questions the allyship of the black community, you're wrong. Where have you been? (laughs) I mean, again, I'm not a historian, but I know how long black folks have been allies of Asian folks. I know that there are Asian folks that have been allies of black folks, but this again, Karen, to your point about telling your story, these are narratives that white supremacy wants to erase because there is fear in that. You know, Judas and the Black Messiah, what I thought was so powerful about it was, and I did not know this, was watching Fred Hampton go, okay, you, 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 we all look different, but we are all being oppressed, right? Um, By the levers of uh, whiteness, by privilege of capitalism. And thus he was so dangerous. And I think it's really important for us to examine our own biases. And we all have them. We all do. And to interrogate those and to bring them up and say, okay, how do I get better at this? Sophia Chang, how do you think differently after you've internalized all of this garbage? How do you purge it? You know, you've already, you've already digested it and metabolized it How do we now get it out of our systems? And again, the work is hard. And it means that we take a hard look in the mirror and say, oh, okay, you know, what I thought 10 years ago, I don't think now. What I said five years ago, I don't say now, right? Um, For instance, I, as an Asian Canadian, when I was growing up, Asian to me meant Korean, Chinese, and Japanese. That was my very limited view of Asia. And that's a privilege for me because I am among those, right? And so when people look at us as the model minority and look at Asians, what is a very damning result of the model minority myth is that to your point, lawyer, doctor, engineer, right? High-performing, you take all of our spots at the Ivy League schools. You take all of our spots at the specialized high schools um, in New York. But that doesn't give the totality of the picture in New York, from my understanding, in New York City, Um, Asians are the ethnicity that per capita has the most people living, I believe, below the poverty line. And it means that we are not talking about the fullness of our diaspora, right? Cambodians, Laotians, the Hmong, Vietnamese. These are very, very different experiences and it's so important to recognize all of that. I think I've quoted him before on your show, but I have a friend named Julius Ona who is a director. Smith, you're not gonna find him on social media. He's not there. His name is Julius Ona and he did this fantastic movie called Luce, And In an inter- interview about it, he said, I believe that every person should be granted access to the full spectrum of humanity and that's what you're saying about me karen right sophia if you want to be naked on instagram i applaud you go be naked on instagram if you want to do kung fu if you want to curse on there because you are even even if it's like oh sophia this is hilarious you are still granting me access to the full spectrum of my humanity karen and you understand that i have so many facets and i will say again tell your story. Tell your story in whatever fashion that is. Whether you, you speak to people like you do, Karen, whether I literally wrote a book, which is a very literal fashion of telling my story, whether I'm a litigator, whether I'm a social worker, whether I'm, I work at an, at an NGO, tell your story. We have to get our stories out there.
0: And unlock her potential, which is your, your latest project. I appreciate yes. you. Uh, and I know you have to run. So we're a minute over your time, but come back. Uh, you know, you have an open seat. You were going to be my co-host at one point. And then she was like, I got a lot of things to do, Karen. I was like, I love you, though. I love you. I love you. Thank you,
1: everybody, for having me.
0: Thank, thank, you, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Bye, Smiths. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. The baddest bitch in the room. That's Sophia Chang. Gotta, gotta listen to her story on Audible as well.